Welcome to the Real Estate CEO Podcast. The real, unscripted, candid view of what it's like to grow a real estate business from zero to $1 million. And now, your host, Max Maxwell. Hey everyone, welcome to the Real Estate CEO Podcast. I am your host, Max Maxwell. And on this episode 002, we have William Dennis from Florida Real Estate Acquisitions out of South Florida. And he talks about how one year ago he got fired from his job to a year later, he created a system in his wholesaling business that just netted him a $40,000 assignment fee on his most recent deal. If you got the opportunity, don't forget to take notes. And as always, I will leave some important links in the show notes below. So enjoy this podcast and I'll see you at the end. Hey, William, welcome to the Real Estate CEO Podcast. How are you doing today? I'm doing fantastic, Max. Thank you so much for having me. Absolutely. I've had to beg you three or four times to get on this podcast. I'm glad you actually made it. (laughs) Well, it's great to be here. Absolutely. So our listeners and our show is really about growing our my real estate business to $100,000 a month. It's really geared towards a lot of wholesalers. And that's why I have you on today as to how to grow your business and things you're doing in your business. So before we get started, actually, on what you're doing now and how you got into wholesaling, let's talk a little bit about your background so we can understand where you're coming from into the wholesaling market. Sure. My background, uh, I have a, a BA in finance and I was at Merrill Lynch. Um, I did an internship uh, up in New York and uh, I was offered a position. I went and became a commodities analyst. And uh, believe it or not, within a few weeks, I think it was three weeks time to the date, I asked about the trajectory of my position and, and uh, what kind of compensation, because you know naturally I, I wanted to you know, to grow and, and to have, uh, to, to know the scope of, of growth within the company. And, uh, apparently my boss didn't like that very much and I was fired from the position. And yeah, uh, that, that's honestly, that was, uh, the quote unquote turning point in my life. And, um, that was October of last year. So, um, right there, uh, that really sparked me and I had wanted to get into real estate for a long time. And I said, you know what? I don't think that there's a better time to do it than now. And yeah, it's probably the best thing that ever happened to me when I got fired. So a year ago from this month, October, because we're in October 2017, you got fired from your job at Merrill Lynch. That is correct. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So did you have any real estate experience in the past? No, sir. No, I I actually had my my real estate license when I was 21 through 23, um, 26 now. And to be honest with you, I, I never sold a house. I, I never really used it. it. It just didn't work out that way. I, I finished school. And then, you know, like I just said, I, I went through Merrill Lynch and that's actually what happened. So I'm curious because I had my real estate license as well at 21. What prompted you to get it if you weren't going to use it? To be honest with you, I'm, I'm located here in South Florida. It seems like everybody, you know, they're handing out like flyers down here. So Everybody had a real estate license. I, I think like eight out of 10 people that I knew had a real estate license. And uh, yeah, I, I wanted to be one of these luxury uh, home brokers, you know, down here in South Florida, mansions and this and that. But you know what? That is the, that, that's the mentality because I train a couple real estate agents now one-on-one and I used to be one myself. And that's the thought of everybody coming out of real estate school is I'm going to 
do whatever I got to do to start listening and selling these million dollar houses. And I'll tell you what, if I had to do it all over again, that would not be my avenue because everybody's going for that 1% of real estate that's available to buy and sell when there's a 99, the other 99%. And even below that, there's, there's 1% that nobody's going after, which is the houses that we typically go for, you know, low end wholesaling deals, which you can, you can do a bunch of those um, every month. But so now you're fired from Merrill Lynch. You're, I guess you're back home now. What made you decide to get into wholesaling? Who introduced it to you? Well, what happened was uh, right when I started my job at Merrill Lynch, I actually was building out, uh, I wanted to syndicate money. And uh, I, I was listening to a gentleman by the name of Michael Blanc and his podcast a lot. And I said, well, you know what? I, I, was, uh, I was attached to a financial advisory team at Merrill Lynch. You know, one of our jobs was to raise money, obviously, right? To, to bring in new revenue to the business. So I was already used to that. And, you know, we were on the private wealth management side and, you know, the, the, the threshold was $3 million and up. So we were raising capital from wealthy individuals anyway. So I thought, I was like, you know what? This is a very natural segue for me. I could raise money from, you know, private individuals and go and syndicate commercial real estate deals. And, uh, you know, I built out an analyzer and all that stuff. And that is what I wanted to do. And I was already kind of working on it, but because I was working so much at Merrill, I didn't have the time to do so. So that's really what was introduced to me through real estate. And then what happened was I got fired and then I noticed, oh man, it's so difficult to, to, to raise private funds, right? To the tune of a couple million dollars because the commercial deals down here are very expensive, as you know. I'm, I'm located in Broward County. So it's very, very expensive. So the barrier to entry is very high. It was very, very difficult to raise $5 million, let's say, from a group of individuals when I had no experience in this business. So I learned that very quickly. And I said, well, this is definitely going to be a long-term game. What can I do today with real estate? So I, I, I listened to this gentleman named uh, Sean Terry, right? I'm sure a lot of people know about him. And I was listening to the uh, Flip to Freedom podcast. And one of the titles was how a 23-year-old from Miami made 355000 last year flipping houses with no money down. That was the title. And that's all I read. And I'm originally from Miami. So I said, all right, I don't care who this guy is. I got to meet this guy. Right. And uh, the podcast was about like a year old at the time. And I listened to the podcast like four times. And sure enough, I, uh, I skip traced him. His name is Raul. I skip traced him and I called his office, uh, lied to his secretary, told her that I was an old friend from high school. I didn't know the guy and we didn't go to the same school. And I got a call with him. He actually answered the phone right there on the spot. And yeah, I, I told him, I said, listen, I know you don't know me. I'm sorry about lying to your secretary, but I really couldn't think of any other way. You didn't give direct contact information on your podcast. I heard it. I loved it. I want to learn this business. I'm willing to pay you for it. And I'm a fast learner. And uh, yeah, I got a meeting the next day at 11 in the morning and he began to mentor me and we did five deals together. And that was the, that was the start of my business or my, my experience. That tenacity you have to find somebody is a great segue into the actual wholesaling business because having that outgoing personality and that res- resilience to be able to find something you want is exactly what we do, you know, in wholesaling. But so now you've mentored, you did five deals with him. What kind of, you know, what kind of deals were, were the average size? Where did you find, usually find the, the leads? Where, where were they coming from? 
Yeah, so that's a great question. So the average size of those deals were about twelve to thirteen thousand. Can't give you the exact figure, but that that that's right on the money. I remember that. Those deals actually, he's heavy on direct mail. And those deals actually came from direct mail. One of them, my first deal ever was my second appointment. I got the contract. It was an empty nester list that I had mailed out. And there were, you know, a retired couple and you know, they wanted to downsize. And I actually had to file a list pendants on that because they had seller's remorse and they refused to come to the closing table. So that was my first introduction to real estate, which sucked, to be honest. At the time, I said, damn it, I, I thought I had this and whatever. But then the second deal came and then the third and fourth deal came from the same individual, which was a tax delinquent list that I mailed out as well. So I had some early success, did the, the first four deals, and then it seemed that I, it just stopped. And you know, I, I was just you know, very roughly introduced to the fallacy of, of direct mail. Uh, that's what I like to call it. And, you know, it really is a, a crapshoot, not, not to be, you know, offensive or disrespectful to anybody who does direct mail, I'm not saying that it doesn't work because it does. It certainly does. I've actually made money off of it, but it's just, it's too unpredictable for me. And that's really what I learned. Those were my first deals. Uh, I actually spent almost $23,000 in direct mail and four deals came out of it. One of which is still yet to close. So so you spent $23,000 on direct mail to make four deals? That is correct, yeah. Well, three. Three that actually closed. Three deals and one with the list pendings on it. So now that you're on your own and you're doing your own thing, and you've got your own company, Florida Real Estate Acquisitions, since being on your own, what are some tough lessons you've learned that you really didn't get exposed to while you were being mentored? What are some things that you changed also? Yeah, so the... My mentor was really great. Um, I have to give it to him. He, you know, for being 25, I'm 26. He, he's done phenomenally well for himself. So let's just start there. I, I did have a great mentorship and he did uh, lessen my learning curve significantly. However, you know, you can't teach everything to someone within a two and a half month, three month span. And that's just life, right? So some things are, you know, the, the mail. I really, really learned my lesson. A very, very painful lesson. Um, almost put me out of business, uh, to be quite frank with you. And, and it was when I was just starting. So now I've been in this business for six months, actually doing it actively for six months to the day. And, you know, I, I just learned the lesson that direct mail wasn't going to work. And, you know, some other lessons that I learned is just talking to individuals better, learning how to structure deals differently. I would say that that is probably, um, what I am strongest at. I started really learning. Um, as you know, the statistic is that about 95% of homeowners have no use for our services, right? Because they're not in a financial constraint. They're not bound by something that, that they have motivation for. So that I learned that and I started using that to my advantage. And obviously with your help as well, I mean, you know, so for anybody who's listening, I, I did get a lot of advice from you and, you know, it's ongoing now we have a friendship, but you know, I started building different lists. Um, the motivation has to be there. And that was the most painful lesson I learned. I, I started going after things with my partner on Zillow. And we started doing some, some very odd things because we couldn't seem to find deals from the mailers. And then we got in a real tight cash pinch. And that, you know, just took us to a place where we really were just banging our head everywhere. So I would say that the most important lesson is keep your head down and really focus go deep before you go wide, right? That, that's, that's the best thing that I could say. If I remember correctly, you and I met through on Instagram because I do a weekly 
live video. And then I also put a lot of information on my stories, uh, Instagram storyline. So if, if you guys are out there and you don't follow me on Instagram, it's the real Maxwell. But I think we exchanged some direct messages and um, that's where we are now. I think you asked me about an app called Land Glide that I use quite a bit while I'm out just driving for dollars or really just out and about and I see something, it's easy for me to get a direct link to the tax assessor's uh, GIST site, which is Geographical Information System, where usually all county has one and it's where the tax information is, the deed information about a piece of parcel or property. So we met there and uh, we just now now we probably speak on a every day or every other day basis because we bounce ideas off of each other. But I was able to help you out with some things in in your early when you first started or when you were just gearing up to really get going. But what are some what are some things you've changed in your company compared to obviously we know you don't do direct mail. So what what is your company look like now? What is it structured like? How do you what is a day to day operation on your company? I have two partners. We're all equity partners. So we, we switched everything to a calling center, if you will. So both of them have triple line mojo dialers. And now we, we attack the same list, right? Because, you, you know, being in business, you know, there's only a select amount of people at any given time that are in tax delinquency, in foreclosure, going through a divorce, right, et cetera, right? So you got to work with what you got. So with that being said, it's not the list that's the problem. We talk about this all the time. It's what you do with the list, right? It's how you attack that list. So you, you need to be able to squeeze every single ounce out of every single lead. Because I'm a firm believer, you really never know what's on the other side of that phone. And I, and I know that sounds cliche, but it's so true. And that's what we do. So now we have a cold calling center and we attack these same leads and we, we cold call them. And, and we, we really were relentless. We, we touched every single lead 15 times. Um, yeah, that's one five, 15 times that uh, before we give up on the lead, if you will, or before we deem it cold. Then we also do slide broadcasts, um, which is a voicemail drop, right? It circumvents the ringing and just goes straight to the phone. We also do text messaging. And uh, that's, that's really what we're doing right now. And we're going after uh, auction properties as well. Um, but yeah, that's really the structure that we have. I have, you know, we use call rail to track everything. I think that's the most important thing that you have to do is tracking all the data and making sure that, hey, this is actually working and this is actually worth it, right? Before you just keep putting money behind it. Explain to some of the listeners here kind of what call rail is and, and why you think it's important to your business. Yeah. So I've been using call rail since we started. Um, my mentor is actually the one that put me on to call rail. I love it. The user friendliness is awesome. So call rail is a vanity phone number, right? So it, it gives you, I guess you call it dummy numbers, right? But you, you would track those numbers. So it, it's a unique number per campaign. So if you're doing a mail camp, let's just say that you are doing mail, right? You're doing a mail campaign. You have a Google PPC, you know, paper click campaign, and then you have cold calling going on, right? Those are three separate campaigns that are going to yield three separate results, right? So you want to be able to track those. And then you want to have people call to those vanity numbers. So it gives you reporting. It also gives you the ability to record the calls. And you can also set up call flows, which you, you get to, uh, and we're not going to get too granular on this, but you can actually add like 30 something steps if you wanted to, to how a call should flow when the lead calls in. So if you want to prompt them to a menu, which is what we have right now, you know, if you're interested in selling your house for a cash offer, press one. If you're interested in renting your home, press two. For all other inquiries, press three. 
then when they when they when they click their prompt it's tagged to my crm and that lead is led in the right direction and it's tagged appropriately whether it's a cold lead a follow-up a hot lead or a warm lead and then they can leave their message which is you know their property address and their name so that's really what call rail is for and like i said i mean i stand by call rail i think it's awesome for 30 dollars a month you get 10 numbers it's it's i mean you can't beat it yeah i use it in my system i think most wholesalers use it it's also a great system. It allows you to call out as well. So I think for those $30 a month, I think you get like 500 or 800 outbound minutes, unlimited inbound minutes, I believe. Don't hold me to it, but there'll be a link in the show notes to call rail if you're interested in getting that. Um, I think it's the beginning part of having a wholesaling business. So you, you've created a system. And I think one of the things that you and I talked about in the early stages of us talking was you know, you can get a lot of information from podcasts, Sean Terry, Wholesaling Inc. A lot of those guys have great podcasts that you can get information from and they can kind of tell you the structure and what and how wholesaling works. But I think in order to be successful in wholesaling, you have to master what your county has, right? So if your lead sources is uh, probate, tax delinquent, foreclosures, divorces, whatever it is, you need to figure out what your county does and how they do it and become an expert so that you can get that lead before anybody else does. I mean, in, in my county, I think I get foreclosures between, you know, 30 and 90 days before most people do. And, you know, so w- what are some of the things you've learned in your county that have really give you the upper advantage you know, for other people. Yeah. So I think that's a, that's a great, great point. The way that you can pull this pretty interesting. So everything nowadays is online, right? It's 2017. So you, you, you have unlimited, incredible power at your fingertips on a laptop or on a computer. Uh, and I don't, I think people actually underestimate that uh, wholeheartedly. And you do not need to go to a list company, like list source, list ability, not that they're not great resources because they are, because they're already aggregated, they're separated, they're filtered, right? You have all these cool little bells and whistles. However, that comes at a cost. So when you're starting out, it, it's going to hurt, right? Because that's money that's going out. I think it comes at a cost and I think it comes at how accurate is the list and how fast is the list? It's very diluted. Um, and I agree with you, you know, and, and, and also you're at the mercy, you're at the mercy of how fast the list companies are pulling that data and they're getting it right but we also got to remember what it's a very simple question anybody listening out there where do they get their data from and it's a simple answer the county webs uh the county courthouse that's where it is it, it all starts there because it's recorded there then they have the scrape on the back end right that they scrape all the sites and then they act yeah and and through apis exactly and then they 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 build out their list and they do their thing and then they aggregate everything but so if, if that data is coming from there anyway, then, you know, it behooves you to go after that. Right. So that's really what we've learned. We've also just learned how the system works. Right. How long it takes to file. Um, what happens when they file, you know, different how the courts work, which you've helped me a lot with that. Right. The civil court. And then, you know, you have the probate. And, and I mean, you can get into that as well because it's, it's like a rabbit hole. How, how many records there are. Right. And then you're just looking for specific data. Um, which now we have VAs that do this. So 
that that's a very, very important thing. Delegating those tasks, learning how to do it, perfecting the system or as perfect as you can bring it and then have somebody do that day in, day out. And then you just start touching those leads. That's what you're doing. And what are your, since you're, I, what I consider, uh, I'm in North Carolina, so I consider South Florida a very competitive market. What are your top three lead sources? So tax delinquent, we love foreclosures, right? Or pre-foreclosures and options on both. And um, now we're really starting to go after probate. And, and, you know, we're gearing up that system. It's not perfected yet. Um, so I would say that those are our top three. So tax delinquent foreclosures, tax, um, both auctions on those as well, and then the probate. Okay. And one word I keep hearing you say over and over again is systems. And I stress everybody listening, you create a system that works around for your county and where you're at. And you will love this business because it becomes automated. I have three virtual assistants. I have people that, you know, because I've created the system, all I have to do is plug and play the people and the system continues to work. You know, if one person doesn't do it right, somebody else goes in there and and, and does it. You talk about your, your three lead sources. What is one of your, your, what was one of your most recent deals and what lead source was it? The most recent deal that we did was a foreclosure auction list. And that's something that we, we, we attacked pretty heavily. And that was uh, where the deal came from. It was actually a foreclosure list, better said. And that, that, that was where that deal came from. Okay. And, and was it a pre-foreclosure list? Was it, can you give, can you give me some more you deep dive? Cause I want people to really understand what it takes to get a deal. Yeah. So it, it was a, not a pre-foreclosure list. Uh, I am not an advocate for pre-foreclosures. Uh, just, I don't think that there's enough motivation there. Uh, maybe someday we'll just plug somebody into that position and just kind of feel those as well. But this was actually um, a foreclosure property that was going to auction. It was set to go to auction. We caught it eight days before the auction. So you had to move fast. Very fast. <laughs> yeah. It was, uh, it was very, very fast. It was, it was a fast closing and, uh, yeah, it was just, it, it was, uh, and thank God everything worked smoothly. I was actually out of the country while it happened. Uh, my attorney who handles all my closings uh, was a champ and, and, you know, his team was, was incredible. You know, we did the mobile notaries and I was kind of running everything through WhatsApp um, on Wi-Fi. And then when it got back Monday, it closed and the auction was Tuesday. So you were able to get this contract and in eight days, get it closed and stop the, the, the actual foreclosure. Now, break down the deal a little bit. Was it easy to get a hold of this guy? Why have, why haven't anybody else got, you know, try to contact this person? You know what? That's a great question. I, I, I find myself asking that question all the time because the, the gentleman was sitting on $150,000 worth of equity, the, the homeowner, which baffles me. It's still, I, I'm, I'm smiling right now and I get giddy about it because I can't believe that that deal slipped through God knows how many people's fingers, um, wholesalers, investors, whatever, attorneys, you, you name it. That is correct. Yeah. He owed $115,500. And the ARV on the house was 300 on a bad day, maybe two ninety. in a market where the days on market are 21 days. Wow. So it's, it's actually in Kendall, Florida, which is a real, real, real hot market. So you talk to this gentleman or somebody on your team talk to this gentleman. First time you talk to him, you go out there, you sign the contract. 
actually, no, that didn't work out that way. So we, we had spoken about this. So um, my guy, his name is Jake, he got hung up on twice by this gentleman. And uh, he did cuss him out one of the times. And then on the third time, we were able to reach him. He referred us to his wife, right? Which they're legally, they're separated, right? But I guess they, they both pop up on title, right? So his wife lives by Georgia in Live Oak, Florida, pretty, pretty far north from me. And we spoke to her, very nice lady. And uh, we kind of told her, listen, you know, your husband's not really being cooperative. You know, is there anything that you can do to help us? And we kind of worked the deal backwards from there. She was very, very helpful. She got the gentleman to finally open up a little bit. And he literally told me, he's like, look, can you come by tomorrow? And I said, yeah, I, I can come by today if you want. Because I knew it was a hot potato, right? And, and I said, you know, we got to get this. And, and I told him, I said, sir, look, there's such a time constraint. Okay, you're, you're going to auction in, in eight days. And once that happens, I, I really can't do anything for you. So I can take this off your credit. You know, I, I can really help you out. And, and I can give you a little bit more time other than being kicked out, you know, eight days from now. And he literally told me, he said, look, man, um, he's a 74 year old man. He said, look, I, I, I kind of just gave up on life. I'm going to be honest with you. I, I don't care what happens. Just come by my house and check it out and, uh, and let me know what you can do. And I was there the next day at, at 2.30 PM. It was my mom's birthday and we were celebrating like a few blocks from there. And I went there first, got the contract signed and then we went to the birthday and, and I was really, really happy because I wanted to help the gentleman first of all, but second of all, you know, it was such a, such a great deal. And it was really like a diamond in the rough. I couldn't even believe it. So that shows resilience. And, and I'm guessing this older gentleman had talked to other wholesalers prior to, to help him, to try to help him, but nobody can close a deal because they got hung up on two as well. Or, or what was the, what was the situation? The, the biggest factor that I could um, surmise was that the gentleman wanted, first of all, he wasn't really receptive, right? How many people would have called him back a third time after being cussed out, right? So let's start by there. Secondly, and, and that I got to give props to my guy on the phone, but secondly, nobody looked at that deal the way that we did. And, and the biggest challenge that the gentleman kept bringing up was, but I want to stay in the house, but I want to stay in the house, but I want to stay in the house. And I told him, I said, listen, I don't have an issue with you staying in the house. If you want to be a tenant, that's fine. You know, I was analyzing this deal as a flip, and we'll get into that in a minute, uh, not as a, you know, a buy and hold. But I told him, I said, you know, the, the house is in terrible condition. It was, it was really, really bad. It was the house in South Florida for the last two and a half years did not have air conditioning. Like, you know, you, you could just put two and two together on that one. So it was terrible. There was mold. It was, it was, it was really, really bad. And the gentleman was living there, which I felt, I felt terrible for. So, you know, his biggest factor was, yeah, but I, I want to be able to stay. And I said, look, we, we, we could work something out. You know, we, we could have you as a tenant, but it didn't end up working out that way, obviously, because he, he could pay me, I think it was like $600 a month. And the rent in that area is like 2300 you know, so it was never going to work. Plus the house needed major, major renovations. So, which we're, we're starting the rehab uh, tomorrow. So, you know, that, that's really, I think that's what stopped so many people. Um, I think that they didn't go far enough to you know, just calm the gentleman down and say, look, we're going to give you more time. You're not going to get kicked out. This is going to happen one way or another, unless you come up with $115,000, which obviously he didn't have, you know, we, we, we can make this smoother for you. I'm pretty sure you've seen other wholesalers mail and stuff at that house. Had to be if he was on a foreclosures list. Yeah, there was a, there was a stack of postcards and some letters. And, and uh, he actually asked me, he said, did, did you, 
did you drive by this house with your wife? Are you one of those guys that I was like, no, no, I didn't, because I, I don't do mail. So I was like, no, I, I didn't drive. I don't even have a wife. But no, I, I didn't drive by the house with, with my wife. <laughs> you know, because, you know, that's like the standard issue letter that everybody sends. That's annoying and it's not effective to the to the point of calling three or four times. But so so you you've, you're able to help this guy out, get him out of his house. I was probably making him sick, especially at 74 years old. You saved his credit. You got his house out of bankruptcy. You closed the deal. How much money did your team make? How much money did you guys bring in? This was a one off thing. Um, and it was great because we'll get into it in a second. But my uncle, he's a. He's got a lot of money and he wanted to be in real estate. And we had just met a few weeks prior. So I was looking for a home loan deal for my uncle, right? Um, because I wanted to, to get, you know, a, an investment business started with him. And this happened to fall out of the sky, if you will. And he bought it. So that's why we were able to close so fast because it was cash. There was no hard money involved. And he came to the closing table with me on Monday. So the assignment was $40,000. Um, and... That that's what the the team had made. That's that's huge. That's bigger than I've made. That's a huge. That's a huge one. Congrats to you. Well, thank you. <laughs> Obviously, some of that is tied into the back end, so that wasn't all. And you know, there's some particulars in the deal. Yeah. So tell me how you structured that deal, because your uncle bought it, family member. Correct. Yeah. So so we actually legally we assigned the beneficial interest into a land trust out of the company, right? Out of my company, and uh, then the land trust holds the company where, uh, or excuse me, the property where my uncle is the trustee and I'm a, I'm a trustee as well. He's a beneficiary. I'm a trustee. You're flipping this together and you're going to probably share some profits. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm an equity partner on the, on the back end of the, of the flip. Wow. I love it. I love the creativity. I love the resilience to go after somebody that, that didn't want to, you know, really just gave up on, on wanting to sell their house. And that's what it actually truly takes to be a wholesaler. You, you get, you can't just give up. You have to keep going until they say absolutely no, 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 no. And they got to say it 15 times because that's how many times William says he reaches out to people before he considers them a dead lead. That's what it takes to be a wholesaler. Some people have given up and you got to show them there's a light at the end of the tunnel. Okay. So I mean, it's awesome. You go from one year, you're getting fired, a couple months worth of one-on-one training with a mentor, and now you're doing yourself with your company, Florida State, Florida Real Estate Acquisitions, and you're just rolling along. He's creating systems. And this is what this is what I really like to tell people and the reason why I do my weekly Instagram stuff. You don't need a lot of money to get started. You don't need a lot of knowledge to get started. You just need to do you need to do and you need to don't stop because if you're looking for financial independence and you want to get into real estate, you want to build up your cash purse so that you can purchase houses yourself and do other types of creative real estate investing. This is the way to go. This is the way to go. Absolutely. So, William, I, I, I got a question from somebody on Instagram, which anybody is allowed to send me a direct message. This message is from a guy named, I think his name is Rick, right? His Instagram name is W as uh, as raw, raw Rick, raw Rick. And he basically wants to know, should he go get a real estate license so he can leverage his real estate license while he is doing real estate investing and wholesaling? Yeah. So that, that's a great question. I'm going to answer this one very bluntly. And 
And it's because he, and it's because he says he can have direct access to the MLS. You know, my answer and my, and I, and I say this because this is actually what I did and what I do. I happen to have a mother who's a realtor. Okay. So she does a lot of stuff for me on the MLS. Right. Um, so I'm kind of like her client, if you will. I don't see the benefit of being a realtor, uh, right off the bat. Um, I could certainly see it if you, you know, for your rehabs and, you know, saving yourself money on the commissions and on the sales aspect and on the disposition, I could certainly see that. And you can actually attach yourself to deals too, and, you know, make money that way. Um, my best recommendation for Rick would be partner yourself up with a few realtors. I, I wouldn't say one, a few realtors in your market and have them send you hot sheets, have them reach out to you, have them reach out to sellers and, you know, Find a good, good realtor, which is going to be really difficult, Rick. I'm, I'm going to be honest with you. There's not a lot out there who's going to look for deals for you and who's really going to go to bat for you as an investor. Um, that would be my best recommendation. You could also, you know, you, you have so much access to Redfin and, you know, you, you have other resources. I wouldn't use Zillow so much. I don't really rely on my investments and stuff like that. Not very accurate. But, you know, and you also have the tax record website which pretty much that's where the MLS is pulling everything from anyway. So, you know, you, you really don't need to go and spend whatever it is, wherever you are, Rick, $600, $700, the time, you know, and, and you could just take that time and that money to launch a, free, a few campaigns and go start finding properties. That's really what it is. I, I think so many individuals try to overcomplicate this and, you know, not, not tooting my own horn or anything like that, but I went, directly to the source. I heard a podcast and I found that person. I said, listen, I know what you're doing. I like it. You're really good at it. Teach me. And I just went and I did the action. You know, he told me to mail, I mailed. He told me to call, I called, you know, and, and I just went. I, I didn't, I didn't think twice. I didn't bat an eye to it. That's really though, what you need to have as a mentality coming into this business. You cannot expect that anything's going to come to you. You have to go to it, but the deals are there. You know, I mean, you really know you're very successful in this business, Max. So the deals are there. People are having these deals made daily, right? I mean, look at this deal. This gentleman was sitting on $150,000 plus worth of equity and the house was about to go to auction. Some other person was about to buy that house all because- And at the auction, it probably would have went for 200 grand. Exactly. No, it definitely would have gone. Yeah. I mean, and, and properties are so overbid over here anyway that, yeah, you have a lot of cash investors, foreign investors that just have a lot of money and they don't care what they pay for something. They just want their, their money here. But, you know, it's, it's just, Rick, just go and do. You don't need the license. I'm telling you, you really don't need the license. Yeah. So I concur that my answer is pretty much the same. I would, I would say the, the exact same thing. But, you know, we've been on this podcast for a while and I know we got to keep it short. So I think um, let's before we wrap this up, if you had one piece of advice to give a new wholesaler, what would you tell them? Just one piece of advice. One piece of advice. Don't listen to people that say that this doesn't work. Um, that's my best piece of advice. You shouldn't be listening to those people anyway in your life, but don't listen to anybody who ever says that this is not possible. You can't do it. There's no such thing as no money down. All that is just garbage. It's, it's impossible for them, not for you. You can do whatever it is that you want to do and just get out there and do it. Just get out there and do it. 
I know people that are very, very successful in this business and they didn't start with much, myself included. I'm not really successful yet, but I didn't start with anything. Man. I, I almost bankrupted myself going through the whole mail route. So don't give up. I promise you, as cliche as it sounds, do not give up because you can't, you can't ever lose if you, if you just keep getting back up. I love it. I love that answer. And, and that's great. Tell people where they can reach out to you directly and, um, you know, have a talk with you if they, if they like. Yeah. So, I mean, we have a website, uh, Florida real estate acquisition.com. That's really our, our main page, but you can reach out to me directly. My cell phone number is five, six, one, two, eight, three, five, six, six, six. You can shoot me a text or call me. And my email is also Dennis D E N I S holdings, plural at gmail.com. And I'm happy to talk to anybody. Honestly, I, I love giving back. I mean, I have people that that I give advice to all the time and, and, you know, vice versa, right? And what we do, it's, I think it's great. I wish more people were like that in this business because I think that it's, it's, it's so much better to just contribute and help people. Absolutely. Look, William, I really appreciate you being on the CEO Real Estate Podcast and helping out any other wholesalers. I'd love to have you back sometime in the future when your business grows. I really appreciate it. And anybody out there that hasn't downloaded my free ebook, please do so right now. It's therealmaxwell.com slash ebook. You can download it. It's 100% free or you can go buy it off Amazon. That's up to you. Or if you want to book a one-on-one call with me, just call me.therealmaxwell.com. So I want you guys to go out there, reach out to me, read the ebook. It's a free resource. I, I don't like to write. I poured my heart into it so I can give you some, some good advice to get started. Other than that, I really appreciate everybody out there in podcast world tuning into this episode. Thank you. And we will see you again next time. Dennis, I appreciate it. Thank you so much. I really appreciate being here. Thank you for listening to the Real Estate CEO Podcast with Max Maxwell. Make sure to tune in next week to see what else is going on in the world of a growing real estate company.